Welcome to Strings Retuned, performances and artist interviews from the Strings Music Festival in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I'm Michael Sachs, music director at Strings and also principal trumpet of the Cleveland Orchestra. On this program celebrating Beethoven's 250th birthday, we'll hear from Lyric Opera of Chicago's assistant principal second violin, John McFarlane, assistant principal cello of the Metropolitan Opera, Joel Noyes, and the Metropolitan Opera's principal bassoon, William Short. We hope you enjoyed these performances from Strings Pavilion. Now we take you inside the music with Strings Retuned. First up is Strings Festival concert commentator, Jamie Lamar. Hello, Strings fans. I'm Jamie Lamar. It's been my great pleasure over the last 13 years to be a part of Strings Festival. This is the first summer in 20 years that I haven't spent in Steamboat and in more than 30 that I haven't spent in the mountains of Colorado working for one music festival or a music camp or another. Of all the wonderful experiences I've had in the great outdoors, and especially in the Rocky Mountains, though, my absolute favorite summer activity of all is walking onto the stage at the Strings Pavilion and seeing your faces and talking about music. You all bring me such joy, and I want to say thank you for that. Which brings me to today's podcast episode. Beethoven. We keep coming back to you again and again, Beethoven. Of course, your name is ringing out across the world this year because it's been 250 years since you came into the world. But you've been one of the most often performed composers in orchestral and chamber music programs pretty much since your own time. It's no wonder why when we hear your music. Now, on today's program, our music director and several of our favorite strings performers will share their own thoughts on Beethoven and on his works, which they performed at Strings. So I want to address one other reason we're still so obsessed with you, Beethoven, and that's this. You created our collective mental image of what a great genius artist is. When you came of age, the most famous musician in the world was Joseph Haydn. Consider Papa Haydn. Respectable, married, polite, reasonably well-educated, very witty, but first and foremost, a servant. Haydn, like every other composer of his time and before, worked as a staff member to the aristocracy, an ornament in the crown of the ruling class. But you, Beethoven, you beat farmer, you came along and changed all that. When you showed up in Vienna, already a dynamite performer on the piano, and with a few compositions under your belt, you paid your respects to the fancy princes and archdukes, you played for them, you dedicated some works to them, and they were so drawn to you, your fiery passion, your originality, your style. But you kept them at arm's length. You let them know that in your mind, all men were created equal. You looked ever so slightly down your nose at them. And this was like catnip to them. So instead of working for the man like all your predecessors, the man came to you. You never took a position in any stuffy court. In other words, Beethoven, you showed us the first freelance artist. And everything that you were, we've ever since associated with the image of a great artist. Your wild hair, your disheveled fashion sense, your despair and your loneliness, your suffering. Oh, how you suffered when your most cherished sense, your hearing, was overtaken, not by silence, but by a terrible roaring, a painful blotting out of the world of sound. Your rage your punk rock rhythmic insistence, and your obvious joy in shaking us out of our complacency. And ultimately, and most importantly, the whole reason you kept opening your heart to us and giving us every ounce of your inspiration was that you believed in us. You kept reorienting us to our shared humanity. Nobody's left out of your vision for the world. No one is shut away from the utterly cosmic scale of brotherhood that you envision for us. Zeidumschlungen, the words you borrowed from Friedrich Schiller in your immortal Ode to Joy. Those words you waited almost until the end of your life to set to music. That's you, Ludwig, saying to us, 
Be embraced, all you millions. This kiss is for the whole world. Thanks for being with us today, Strings fans. Let's listen to some Beethoven together. Thank you, Jamie. Making 16 appearances at Strings over the past five years, here's violinist John McFarlane discussing one of Beethoven's early string quartets. John? Most of us play in big, gigantic orchestras and and are playing these gigantic works, while a Beethoven symphony at the time would have been written for an instrumentation that's much closer to what you get to see at the Strings Music Festival. So a lot of times in classical music, we talk about different periods of a composer's life, and it's usually thought of in terms of their early period, their middle period, and their late period. There is no greater delineation in music than between the early, middle, and late string quartets of Beethoven. His string quartets are still the greatest of all string quartets. I don't think that that's a very controversial statement. One of the things that makes these Opus 18s, the six string quartets, so exciting, especially looking at them in retrospect, is that it shows so much of what Beethoven is going to accomplish. By the time he gets to the late quartets, they're incomparable to almost anything else that we ever play. The early string quartets show in the writing all of the possibilities that Beethoven is going to be exploring. They have different moods, they have enormous dynamic changes, they have interesting thematic material, They go from major to minor suddenly. In Beethoven, more than with most composers, we think of him autobiographically. It's hard to think about Beethoven and think about his music and think about what this music means without thinking of the man himself. He starts off the piece with a giant A major chord and then is quickly just having this little flitty theme that goes up. He goes into these dark periods of of this minor section and then immediately stops as if to look at the room as if nothing happened at all. When I hear something like Beethoven's Opus 18, number five, the A major, this shows a young, brash man who you could imagine would show up at a fancy dinner party announcing himself and be charming and witty, and at the same time, be a real rude presence in the room. Here's that brash young man's string quartet number five in A major, opus 18, movement one allegro, performed by the Grammy award-winning Ataka Quartet from July 2018. Thank you. 
Beethoven's Second Symphony is in many ways the capstone of what could be called his early period. Written mostly in 1802, he had already forged a uniquely distinctive musical and emotional language. While composing his Second Symphony, Beethoven found himself at a difficult crossroads. 
With his incurable hearing loss quickly worsening, Beethoven was indeed at a time of crisis. Reflecting on a struggle, I think we can all relate to difficult times and the acute uncertainty he was feeling. Yet in the midst of all of this, Beethoven somehow retreated into what he saw as his true purpose in life, his art and composing as his sanctuary. In this, his second symphony, he creates a cheerful alternate world like rays of sunshine that helps guide us forward. Next, we're going to hear the symphony's second movement, Larghetto. Right from the start, Beethoven places us in a country pasture surrounded by beautiful fields and flowers with a simple yet elegant melody. In the middle, we hear ominous storm clouds approaching, seemingly trying to interrupt our day. But then the sun quickly reappears as we return to Beethoven's beautiful and comforting song.
You just heard the second movement of Beethoven's Second Symphony from August 2016. This was actually the first time I had the honor of conducting a Beethoven symphony, and I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed being part of this performance with the Strings Festival Orchestra. Next up is a terrific cello and piano duo from August 2018. Here's cellist Joel Noyes to discuss his performance with pianist Benjamin Hockman. This is an exceptional piece written for piano and cello. To me, the joy of, of playing it is Beethoven's mastery of the material and his ability to combine Mozart's genius with Beethoven's fingerprints all over it. Each variation is very successful at characterization. And by that, I mean each variation often feels like it's coming from a vantage point of one of the characters in the opera. And that makes it really fun to play because one variation, you feel like you're Papageno stumbling around the stage. And in another variation, you're Tamino singing his heart out for his love of Pamina. In another variation, you're in the solemn atmosphere of Sarastro and the, the temple and the trials. So in a very efficient way, Beethoven brings so much of the opera to life in a very quick and powerful package. He begins this set of variations with a forte sort of 2T E-flat major chord which is exactly how Mozart begins the entire opera. And then Beethoven, instead of diving into the overture material, brings in the theme of the aria that the variations are, are based on, which is a charming duet, um, Pamina and Papageno. And it's after he's found her and delivered the message that a prince has seen her portrait and has fallen in love with her. And they sing a duet extolling the virtues of love. That is the guiding light for all life and humanity. The theme you'll hear That's the first phrase of the theme that Beethoven builds this around. And then the first variation to me, it feels physically very much like Papageno. The way it's written its characterization feels like Papageno when you hear it, but even as a player, it feels like the humor of Papageno is in it. And that one goes like this. It has a, a bouncy, jovial quality to it. In variation four, we enter what I feel like is the realm of Zarastro, the priest character in The Magic Flute, who's at the beginning a rather mysterious, shrouded figure and becomes the guide to uh, Tamino, the prince. But as Tamino enters this world, it's very mysterious, it's very solemn. The cello part sounds like this. Benjamin Hockman and I are old friends. We entered Curtis Institute of Music the same year. It was uh, 1997. And we immediately became very close friends and also immediately began collaborating with one another. We've had a long history of working together. And he's one of my favorite musicians on the planet. I just love working with him. Brilliant mind and very soulful musician. I've learned a lot from him over the years. Playing this recital at Steamboat, uh, that was the summer of 2018, was such a wonderful opportunity for us to explore some of our favorite repertoire together. And this Beethoven, we actually hadn't played it together before. It was really fun. We really took our time exploring the piece. We spent a lot of time just flipping through the pages of the Magic Flute score by Mozart and finding the little motives and the little rhythmic figurations or thematic characterizations that, that Mozart used and finding how Beethoven sprinkled them in throughout this short set of variations. And it was really fun to just explore the piece with Benji in that way. 
in general, every collaboration with him lends itself to that level of interpretation, which is a pure joy. And we don't get to do that as often as we'd like.
What an incredible performance of Beethoven's seven variations on By Menon Welche Liebe Fühlen in E-flat major WO046 from Mozart's opera The Magic Flute, featuring cellist Joel Noyes and pianist Benjamin Hockman. Bassoonist William Short is one of those artists that transcends his instrument. When you hear him play, it's like you're listening to a great singer who happens to be using the bassoon as his vehicle. Here's William to discuss his love of the Strings Music Festival and the famous bassoon solo in the fourth movement of Beethoven's Fourth Symphony. Quick fact, this solo is a standard piece asked on virtually every single principal bassoon audition. William? To me, having grown up in Texas, the idea of music is inseparable from the idea of community. I have to say, Mike Sachs, the entire team there, has created a really remarkable environment, both musically and socially. It is an absolute highlight of my year to come out to Steamboat Springs, to make music with my friends and colleagues there, to experience the absolutely spectacular nature and just the lovely community there. I remember playing Beethoven 4 once when I was in school in a studio class. And when I say playing Beethoven 4, 
any bassoonist will know, I don't mean the entire symphony. I mean about a second and a half of it, where the first bassoon has what seems like an incidental solo to anyone listening. But to any bassoonist, what I remember most is that one of my colleagues commented that this solo is so short, but it's so long. It just goes by in the absolute blink of an eye, just... And then it's over. But those few measures of, of music just stretch on forever because you're intimately aware through the hundreds and thousands of hours that you've practiced them of every single thing that could potentially go wrong. And so I think every bassoonist learns about this particular solo from Beethoven for early on in their development and almost immediately thereafter learns to fear it. The experience of, of performing it is really a singular one because you just feel this moment just rushing toward you. It's like you're on a train that you just cannot stop.
That was the Strings Festival Orchestra performing the fourth movement of Beethoven's Fourth Symphony in August 2019 at the Strings Pavilion. Hearing that performance takes me right back to Steamboat Springs. The smell of the mountain air, the gorgeous scenery, the beautiful pavilion we have as our home, and of course, all of the wonderful smiling faces in the audience and orchestra. We hope you enjoyed these wonderful performances from Strings Music Festival. These performances and this program are made possible by listeners and individual supporters like you. Thank you so much. Also, my special thanks to our guests, John McFarlane, Joel Noyes, and William Short for joining us. Next, on Strings Retuned, we'll be featuring romantic French chamber music from Debussy, Faure, Franck, and Saint-Saëns. Until next time, I'm music director Michael Sachs. Thanks for listening and take care. All musical selections were recorded at Strings Pavilion, located in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, by Jamie Lamar of Art Music Recording. Strings Retuned is produced by Smitty J. Bell for Strings Music Festival. 60% of all Strings events are free to the community, made possible by all of our generous donors and supporters. Please visit our website, www.stringsmusicfestival.com, to learn more about our programs and upcoming events. I'm Katie Carroll, Strings Music Festival Education Director. On behalf of our board, staff, and volunteers, we thank you for listening. Our next episode features Impressionist French composers and will be available Wednesday, July 22nd at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. You can listen on our website or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.